talk that we should probably be live you said oh are we live now we're live oh, three, as of three seconds ago we missed the previous 10 yeah guy no guy what? <laughs> am i not allowed to say yeah guy anymore you're allowed to say it but now i'm gonna come back at you all this right. is adversarial Scott. Oh, come God. On. have we hot hashed it all out yet the listeners want to know have we um i believe that we have i mean we you and i had a sit down last week which was um cathartic i feel healed personally this is the most therapy i've had in quite some time <laughs> Free therapy. I, you know, free therapy. I'm glad that I ducked that first punch because if it would have connected, I don't know that we'd still be sitting here <laughs> oh right now. God. I am so not a fighter. I'm like the concept of me. I I get upset with violence. Like I can't even. You know what? I unfollowed Kook Slams because it upsets me to watch people get hurt. Like, did you see the last one with the? I saw one with a kite border getting like pulled across the lawn and yes. slammed into something. I saw that. I haven't seen fistfights on there, but... Well, there's... Yeah, so anyway, the point well, is is that I'm a, I get upset when I see violent acts taking place against you know relatively innocent people. Like It upsets me that... Well... There, there, I, sh- I don't get joy out of watching somebody get hurt. I just mm. don't, you know? And it's just not in my spirit, you know, to be that way. I'm, I'm actually a peaceful person that seeks peace yeah. and tolerance and kindness. And so anyway, I don't know how we got on this topic. I, well, we're I, supposed to be talking about surf, but, um, Oh I yeah. Hate, you were saying I, I threw a punch at you, which is not <laughs> true. By the way, I hate that you even just said that. Cause now yeah, that, no, huma- no. that humanizes you a little bit. And I have to like that. I want, I'm just being I honest. I want you to like violence. So then I could dislike you. No, uh, no by no. the way, kook slams, I told like that one didn't bother me at all. And from childhood, my favorite show was America's Funniest Videos because right. I actually want to see the guy step but those on the are edited, rake. Those no, are but I want to see the guy step on a rake and it hit him in the face. You know, like that's funny to me for some reason. So the internet has been a huge boon for me because there's endless supply of people getting injured. Um, but anyway, back back well, to us hashing well, out our- one of the things that i learned from all the emails that came in after we had our it's funny first of all when i look back on it i didn't i didn't see it as um quite as fractious as you or maybe the listeners got thought it to be you I- added some stuff onto the end of the your pod yeah and and i guess i didn't even hear it but i i, I got emails that was saying that you were upset yeah but um, but then the emails came in and it was like, wow, this thing's really because because after the, the people don't know this, but after the show, you and I talked for like twenty five minutes or ten minutes about it. Like we tried to hash it out right after the show. Yeah, but um, unsuccessfully. Well, you, we were interrupted by one of your surf splendor guests, Todd. We were going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Well, what are we doing? We're bringing listeners up to speed. Before okay, we get so, into the actual name. Oh, yeah. So we have we a new – so one of the emails that we got that yes, made a lot of sense to you and I was, look, change the name of the podcast. Make it an all-new name. Take the technical side of it, the RSS feed. Make a whole new RSS feed. Make a whole new website. It's not Scott's thing. It's not David's thing over here. It's It's – our thing together, separate and transparent, yeah. that resides on its own, on its own website, with its own new name, with its own thing. Because David and I agree that we think that the show is pretty good. Like we, for, you know, first and foremost, I can speak for David and say I think we both enjoy the pod, the podcast. Totally. 
And we're trying not to say, <laughs> say that term, but um, well, no, there's two. There were two, I thought, consensuses that came through with all those emails. One of them was that everybody seems to like what we're doing together, and number two, it would be a shame to not continue it over something so petty. And so you and I fully agree with that. And so it was just a matter of sorting out how to proceed. And so that led us to what you're talking about, which is like super obvious solution is let go of the ego or the pride or association we have with our own brand identities and just co-brand, right? And part of the problem with that is that even beyond ego, um, there's there's real marketing traction with both surf splendor and down the line. Sure. And so just from a business standpoint, it's like, God, that, okay, we'll let go of the ego side of it, but it doesn't make sense from a business standpoint to, to start over. And we've come to the realization that it has and that we are, we're starting afresh. Well, my thought on that, and I think maybe other people have commented on this as well, is that changing the name of the podcast, we will not lose a single listener. Right. At all. Nobody's right. going to be like, oh, man, I prefer down the line name. I'm out of here because the quality of the content and you're in my interaction is the value of the podcast, not the name. Right. And so on the flip side of that, if either of us left or replaced the other one with a different co-host, we would definitely lose listenership. Both right. of us would. Right. So simple solution. Right. So I feel like is there a drum roll needed? Because um yeah, during, last, during last week's meeting... I'll pull up a drum roll. Okay. During last week's meeting, Scott and I, at the end, were like, okay, we hashed out our differences. Now, what is the name? And I sat there kind of with a dumb look on my face because I had been thinking about it for weeks and I had no good idea. Slow that down. Sorry. <laughs> it was missed. I am interrupting again. <laughs> always, dude. Always. <laughs> um, so... I had thought about it for weeks and we got tons of listener um, suggestions for name, but I, for names, but I really didn't have any that I loved. There was a lot that worked, but nothing that I loved. And then Scott just looked at me and said it. And I was like, holy cow, that's actually really good. So mark my words on this today's podcast. You're really making you, <laughs> you get the credit for this name. Well, you nailed it. All right. I might have overhyped it. <laughs> Drum roll, please, Scott. And Scott, the name is Spit. 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 Simple as that. Why are we calling it Spit? Because we're just spitballing, right? We're spitting a little vitriol across the table as well. Right. Huge wave at Pipeline also spits, I suppose. There's that. Yeah. That ties it together in case listeners didn't figure it out already. Spit. Spit. The spit cast? Yeah. I'm down for the spit cast or whatever. I think like that could be the official name, the spit the spit cast, like but when people are in the lineup they go, Hey man, do you listen to spit? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I don't think it I think podcasts are at a point where We're changing the paradigm, David. We're on the forefront of paradigm change. I think podcasts are at the at the uh point where they don't have to you don't have to say Hey, did you listen to the Serial podcast? Yeah. You just go, hey, did you listen to Serial? Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I don't think we need to define it with any of that um, that terminology. I think spit stands alone. Yeah, it's like, gritty. Spit. They used to call movies moving pictures. <laughs> right. Are you going to the moving pictures today, Dorothy? Exactly. To the talkies? <laughs> talkies was actually a, a, short, a shortened version of when they, a talking moving yeah, picture. When they introduced sound. 
right. is when that was. So that's what we're doing. We're shortening. Look, it's the spit cast. The spit talkie. Right. Now, the website <laughs> is thespitpodcast.com or spitpodcast.com. Okay. Sweet. You can go to either one and get to the show. Sweet. Well, I'm psyched, dude. Yeah. I'm super psyched. Here's my concern. Yes. Now that we hugged it out. Right. Are we going to lose the grittiness and the adversarial nature or do you still have hatred in your heart towards me? No, I've <laughs> never had hatred. I'm. <laughs> there will always be um, – look, let's face it. We're from different camps. San Diego. You're from Huntington <laughs> Beach where there's this miles of sand and uh, and – you know, and what I don't know, Huntington, all those you know, <laughs> pit bulls and you know, short jean shorts that hang down to your ankles and knee high socks that go up to your waist, and uh, you know, those wallets with the chains, right? And tattoos. And when was the last time you were in Huntington? <laughs> doesn't matter, that will always be my vision. And riots, there you, you come from a place of. A riotous nature. It's true. It shows in my personality. That's why I'm so <laughs> angry. In your all hairdo. The time. <laughs> Speaking of hairdos, by the way, dude, let listeners note Scott, who makes fun of my chop hop for years on end, showed up to the boardroom show with a chop hop. With a chop hop. A gray chop hop, no less. A gray one. I had it colored. Seriously, you did. Well, no, I did. I my wife was like, you know what, you need to get your hair styled for the show. I'm like, All right, yeah, you know, because I usually just cut. Well, I go in there. and I'm like, give me an eight. You know, just take the thing and you know, cut the whole thing the same okay. length. And she was like, no, the top needs to be long. You know, anyway. So I went in there and had styled. And I came out and I realized, holy shit, I have a chop hop. Like I didn't go in there asking. <laughs> she said though, she goes, do you want a chop hop? The lady that cut it. And I go, no, hell no, did. I don't want to chop off. What I want is longer on the top and shorter on the side. And she goes, okay, rolled her eyes and said under her breath, that's a chop hop. That's a reverse chop hop, backside chop hop. Right. <laughs> well, uh, I thought it looked good, actually. I was like, holy of cow. Of course it looks good. It's the good. best Scott's ever looked in his life. <laughs> um, well, I feel like mine's kind of veering away from the chop hop, though, because I'm going like, I'm growing it out a little bit, a little longer. So I noticed I that. Know. Well, yeah. I know. Might get it trimmed later today now that I think about it. We'll right. see. Uh, well, Scott, welcome to Spit. Spit. Episode number one. Spitcast. I mean, not really, but kind of. Where's the I think, kelp? Here's, wait. Okay. I think, <laughs> sorry, Scott. <laughs> I think in the branding, it goes spit since 2006, and then that's crossed out, and then it says since 2013, and then that's crossed out, and then 2017. All right. I'm just messing with you. Whatever. Hey, lean into it, dude. Embrace the <laughs> adversarial nature. No, I am. Hey. Come on. Where's lean the in. kelp? Okay, I've been asking this question. I've been wondering this For question. For a few years, right? The warm water showed up, and it seems like the kelp left, and it's never come back. So I did a little bit of research. Okay, this is kind of, well, it is California-centric. So for our European listeners, bear with us. I'll, I'll make this quick. But I'm, this is important to surfers in California. Kelp forests are now 93% smaller compared to previous years, creating starvation conditions for herbivores that obviously feed on the kelp. A series of large-scale catastrophic events have combined into a perfect storm of ecological impacts that have triggered these dramatic shifts in the kelp forest ecosystem here in California. The first of these events, the toxic algae bloom off of the Sonoma Coast in 2011, the second was a widespread sea star disease in 2013. The third, an explosion in the sea urchin population. By the way, all of these 
are a result of the previous um, effect. So the toxic algae bloom created a sea star disease, which created an explosion in the sea urchin population. And then, of course, the fourth thing, the warm water conditions that have persisted since 2014, a byproduct of El Nino. All of this means that bull kelp recovery is uh, very limited. And uh, even if ocean temperatures cool back, because the kelp spores themselves are vulnerable to the intense urchin grazing, uh, the reestablishment of kelp beds is um, seemingly not as optimistic as we had hoped. Successful reestablishment of new kelp every year is critical because the bull kelp is an annual species. It lives for only one year. And without successful reproduction every year, the kelp forest may be unable to grow back to its full potential. So that's a summary of a larger article I got off of, um, uh, I think probably the NOAA site, some scientific site. I want to say it was NOAA or, you know, some reputable scientific site, which is why it reads rather dry and boring for the first spit news. <laughs> it's not, it's pretty dry spit. Way to open with a bang. Yeah. But I'm parched. The thing is, is that I posted that on Facebook and a lot of the old salty dogs are like, oh, just hang on. It'll come back. This is like, guys are like, Believe me, this has happened before, and it'll happen again. And don't be an alarmist. Yeah. And but I, I haven't seen solid kelp beds in a long time, and it's a problem regarding glassy conditions. As right. selfish as that sounds, <laughs> I was going to ask you. <laughs> what's the only reason I want kelp is so that the north wind is a good thing. So um, it wasn't as was it that you read an article. Um, originally that made you realize that there was less and less kelp or was it that you noticed the conditions oh, no, no. It's, changing? It's completely noticeable. It has been noticeable. I mean, kelp is a huge part of the situation where I live and where I surf. And when you, you know, when it's not there, it's, it's a little bit more blown out and kelp yeah. was, kelp was a part of the culture. Yeah. You know, like it, it was part of the deal. You fished off the kelp beds, you use the kelp beds as like a, a mo you know, as a as a stopping point for where you were going to paddle up and down the coast, you were either inside of the kelp or outside of the kelp, um, and you know the kelp cutters, and there would be lobster buoys in the kelp. You know, like it's just right. part of being a surfer in San Diego for thirty five years, and uh, for the past I don't know five years, it, it's it's the kelp beds have been gone, right? And you know more or less, and it's kind of a it's a definite bummer on yeah. not just the selfish side of things. But from, you know, the culture of, of uh, San Diego surfing right. and San Diego ocean lifestyle. Right, right, Kelp, right. Kelp's cool. Kelp is a good thing. Yeah. Bummer. Yeah. Um, anyway. By the way, before we break down kind of some of the news that's going on in the surf world, um, how was the boardroom show? We need to bring oh, listeners up to yeah. speed on that. So the boardroom show was, was fabulous. Two weeks uh, ago now? Two weeks ago. Um, Rex Marshall from... The Central Coast of New South Wales was the winner of the Al Merrick uh, Shape Off, honoring Al Merrick. And it was a really exciting event, actually. From San Diego originally, though, right? right. Rex? Yeah, Rex is from San Diego. Yeah, I grew up surfing with Rex. Okay. He's a seaside reef guy in the 80s. He moved to Australia in the 90s, got married, has a family there, has been established there for a long, long time. And um, RM Shapes is his label. Yeah. Which I, I honestly, I hadn't heard of when you were announcing that he was a part of the show. But when I saw the logo on the boards, I was like, oh, I have seen that before. You know, I think Rex is, is such a better. It is. Like, you know what? He should change his thing to Rex. It's not you know? not a lot of Rexes anymore. I, where's the Yeah, Rex. Bring man. it back. Rex Reed. Yeah. <laughs> 
There's only a T-Rex. I remember there was a dinosaur. Right. Like, Rex. <laughs> Rex needs to come back. So from a marketing standpoint, I think that would be a good move, but that, um, that's up to him. So Rex won, yeah. He won the tribute to Look, the cool uh, thing Al is Merrick. Al Merrick was really involved yeah. in this. I mean, he, he was involved in the seminars. He was involved in the shape-off. He was involved in the judging. Al, Mar- Al Merrick had a great time, which which obviously for my crew and for my my company it was a we were really satisfied with that that was al was cool. stoked you know yeah. that al because i was kind of afraid that you know al was just going to kind of mail it in you know mm-hmm. and he didn't he stepped up and and sincerely had a great time and enjoyed it and he got to meet young groms of shaping and he you know look not everyone is a social animal the way that say peter townend is and al's not necessarily a social animal you know he's not it's just not in his being, and that's fine. That's who he is, but um, he really stepped up. Well, that's funny because I've been around the surf world you know, my whole life in Southern California where he is located, and I don't think I've ever seen him once. Yeah. Like he's reclusive. Exactly. And um, But what was cool to your point and just to the boardroom show in general is not only is he at the seminar and hosting or judging the event, he's walking the floor. He's on the floor all the rest of the time that he's not at the seminar or judging and he's fully accessible. Like he was chatting, people were just walking up and chatting him up the entire time. So, um, that's a really cool thing about, I guess the boardroom show, but also just our industry and surfing as a whole is you have access to your icons and your athletes. I really feel like, and I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this. I really feel like the boardroom show, um, sort of like, reached the tipping point at this show. Like it is fully established as the surf industry show, you know, understanding that the surf industry is surfboards and hard goods. That's really what the surf industry is. I mean, we can make the argument that, you know, there's certainly more money in soft goods, but soft goods is the fashion industry Yeah, with a surf spin, which is fine. Yeah. But I mean, when you're talking about high performance board shorts, wetsuits, surfboards, fins, these types of things, that's the surf industry, you know? Right. Flip-flops, blah, 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 all of that stuff. You know, now you're getting into a different realm. But I feel as if um, the boardroom show really... I mean, look, you figure after 10 years and 17 shows, it's it's completely firmly established. Like, this, this was the best show ever. It's funny that you feel that this is the tipping point. I feel like that happened a couple years ago where it felt that way to me. Like, I think we we're there, you know, um, we're already at that point or we've been at that point, but I do agree with you that it was the best show for sure. Yeah. Like I, I've always felt like every year it kind of gets bigger and better. Um, I don't know. It just falls into a rhythm, I suppose, you know? Yeah. The rhythm feels established now. Next year. Yeah, you're right. That's a good thing. Rhythm may is when the show is, you know, and the next, next year we're doing the tournament of champions, which we're really excited about. And us blanks is again, a big, big part of that. And they're the main sponsor of the shape off and the, and the icons of foam. And so at the icons of foam, we're doing a tournament of champions. So we've done 17 shows. We have multiple winners. And so it was our idea. Um, my crew as a whole kind of rallied around and said, let's bring all the multiple winners and have them do the ultimate shape off, you know? And so we're going to bring back the two and three time winners. We're going to bring in, um, and the guy that won the international shape off, um, in Brazil, you know, they did, they did a boardroom in Brazil. Basically the Brazilians came to the boardroom two years ago, talked to me, said, we're going to do one in Brazil. I was like, all right, whatever. And they're like, we'll fly you over. I'm like, okay, cool. I never heard from them. They, they never flew me over, but 
but they did. And, and I'm glad I, they did. It's good for this. everybody. I didn't know anything about that. Yeah, no, it's good for everyone that, the you know, that they're doing one in Brazil. It would have been neat if I would have taken advantage of it. And when helped. was this? When did they do it? It was um, in October. And of was it all Brazilian shapers and companies? Yeah. Okay. yeah, it was a Brazilian surf trade show, but okay. a consumer-facing one, just like the boardroom. Okay. And they came and they took notes, and I met with them, and they're like, we're going to do one just like you. We do shape off, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So anyway, we're going to bring in the champion of that and bring him over to, to continue to add to the international flair. Of course, the defending champion Rex from Australia will help to add to the international flair. And then we've got multiple winners here on the East Coast. Ricky Carroll, of course. Um, yeah. uh, Roger Hines is a multiple winner. Wayne Rich is a multiple winner. Um, and um, Stu Kenson is a multiple oh, right. winner. So we'll bring these guys in. We'll bring 10 of these guys together and have the ultimate shape off. And we've got some surprises that I'm not even going to bring up yet that, okay. are, that are involved around that that we're pretty excited about. Radical. Um, well, I had a phenomenal time at the event. How many fan experiences did you have with listeners of the show? A ton. Crazy, right? Yeah, a lot of it's people. Like, it's like not nonstop yeah. throughout the course of the day. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are like, hey – Love the chop hop. <laughs> and you guys hash it. I mostly got like, you know, people high fiving and going, you know what? You're right. David's wrong. That's exactly what I got. The yeah. opposite of that. <laughs> They're like, hey, dude, uh, if you need me to throw a punch, I will. That's what I got. Um, you yeah, know, there was a few kooks from Huntington there. So makes sense. <laughs> I'm so not proud of living in Huntington Beach, by the way. Like, it actually stings when you say that. I guarantee I know you true. moving it's down. It's so true, Look, dude. You have a, a taste of North County lifestyle. You've yeah. been down there enough to know that, holy oh, yeah. shit, this is the place to live. I love it. It's kind of like, I love it. do you want to live in Brisbane or do you want to live in um, Byron? Dude, it's just, it would it would be inconvenient to my current life's obligations if I relocated. But right. I know that's what every relocation is and people do it all the time. So that's yeah. not a fair excuse. But uh, perhaps in the future. I would argue, I don't know what your job situation's like, but I would argue that you could probably do it from... A remote location. I could. I know. It's I just could. convincing your boss of that. <laughs> um, so one thing that happened at the show a couple of times that was actually really hilarious. You get used to this fan interaction where it's like you see somebody look at you from twenty feet away and make eye contact and kind of give you a knowing like nod, and so then you, I relax into that mode where I'm like, okay, now we're going to talk about the podcast. That's what this person's here for. Then they walk up and they're like, hey, is your name David? And I'm like, yeah. Like, oh, man, I love the podcast. Oh, thanks, man. And we go down that. Three or four times throughout the show, that exact interaction would happen. Somebody makes eye contact and makes a beeline right for me. And I go into that posture where I'm ready to receive congratulations. And then they go, hey, man, do you know what time Al Merrick is giving his seminar? <laughs> I'm just like, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think it's one o'clock. <laughs> you know, where it's like I'm ready to get adulation and I don't. I just. Yeah. So that was always really funny when that would happen. Um, I wanted to actually, speaking of fan um, engagement or listeners reaching out and developing those relationships, I did a couple of trips since the boardroom show that I wanted to tell you about and mm -hmm. listeners because it's so radical. Like, it's gratifying interacting with listeners of the show um, and them expressing thanks for the work. So I've had a couple of guys who live up in the Central Coast who are like, hey, dude, if you're ever around this area, reach out. One of them owns a brewery. The other one's family owns a winery. And they're like, just swing by and I would love to show you what we do. So 
to kind of recover from the boardroom show since it's a long weekend. I took a couple days that following week and did a Central Coast trip to surf, to eat, and to relax. And um, Libertine Brewery is the guy's name. He's in San Luis Obispo, and I think they have another venue, tasting room, in Morro Bay. But they do really interesting... uh, rare wild ales each individual beer has its own kind of artwork um, artistic label packaging the bottles are like 750 milliliter champagne style bottles so like artisanal craft low batch beer that's aged in (laughs) aged in oak barrels really high quality really interesting stuff and then he has a restaurant as well in san luis obispo so that was a fantastic experience that if listeners are interested should check out and then cass winery as well in paso robles brian cass is the um his father started the winery but i had a phenomenal experience at that winery the wines are amazing so if any listeners are in that area or driving through um, and are interested in wine tasting, definitely reach out to Cass. And Brian's in the tasting room oftentimes. You can track him down and tell him that you're a listener of the show. Um, but wow. when you when we started the podcast four years ago, you wouldn't anticipate having this level of interaction with listeners, you know? And um, I surfed with Brian actually last time I was up in that area. So kind of relationships that develop from it. So really cool experience. Good. That's good to hear. I'm glad you had a good time. You know where else I went this last weekend? No. Baja. Really? First time in like 15 years. <laughs> Northern Baja, local Baja. Local Baja. Yeah. K38. Like stayed in front of K38. Have you been down there at all in recent years? Um, yeah, actually I have. You have? Um, okay. I'm trying to think when I was down there recently. Wasn't that long ago. But yeah. So I served K38 on that one big hurricane, uh, Marie. Oh, yeah. Was yeah, that yeah. like three or four years ago? Yeah, when was three that? years ago, I'd say. Went down there and served K38. How was that? It was pumping. It was mind-blowing. You know, it was out there by all us. Really? Yeah. It was big. You know, like it was like too big, really, for K38. It was kind of closing out. And uh, and it was really just me and two or three other guys the whole time. It was like me and the guy I went with and by all us and one of his buddies and then a couple of other people. But so big. most people that yeah. well, go to K38 couldn't even get out. Right. You know, like it was just a lot of work. Well... I, I've been down there literally every month for the first 20 years of my life because my family had a place. And I haven't been in the last 15 years because of the cartel violence and things like that. Um, did that ever deter you? Yeah, totally do. Oh, okay. I mean, when I worked at Surfer Magazine, I wrote some um, really not too good articles on... You did. On... Uh, okay. On... On Just the situation, documenting though. the violence that was yeah. taking place. Yeah, because really? it because it happened to some guys that I know, some really good friends of mine, were were involved in like guns to the face. That was there was this major, you know, as you mentioned, cartel, the Zetas. There was a vacuum, a void in in the drug situation um, in Tijuana based on some arrests that the DEA made. They took the well, local Tijuana guy out, and and so there was this void. So the Zetas, which are kind of like the Sinaloa gang, I think, yeah. they kind of came in. So there was just a lot of gunplay and a lot of violence kind of based on – it was the Wild West. It was. And unfortunately, surfers just happen to get in the mix of that because they're driving around in really nice SUVs and yeah. they've got money. And, and, and a lot of these guys are high shit on – on crystal yeah. you know and they realize that the the main kingpin's out and so they can run loose and get crazy for a while before some 
authoritarian fills the void. Anyway, that's it, exactly what happened. Yeah. And I read an article on Esquire about it recently, and it was actually related to El Chapo. Like he was the guy keeping order amongst the criminals, yeah, and actually working with the government, you know, and like he, the government kind of allowed him to run because to run the show because there was organized chaos. It's very similar to like dictators and like yeah. Saddam Hussein. It's like, totally. yeah, we think he's a bad guy, but if we get rid of him, then we don't know what then, the hell's going ISIS happen. shows. Right. Up, literally. Yeah, that's and it's very similar. It was the exact same thing. And then the other factor in it was like the legalization of marijuana in the US then hugely cut into their business. So they released, they started producing the drug cartels in Mexico started producing this ultra high octane heroin that they were then releasing on the street at like 40% discount. So cheaper than it's ever been, more potent than it's ever been. That's what Philip Seymour Hoffman died on because people were taking the same dose that they were used to taking and then ODing, you know? And um, they were just like, cool, you guys want to take away weed? We're going to flood the market with a new (laughs) drug that's even more addictive. So anyways, there's a lot going on there, but um, it's all kind of mellowed out. And so... Another listener reached out and he lives down there. He's a former San Diego guy and he reached out and he's like, dude, you should come down and I'll give you kind of the tour and all that. And so I spent this last weekend in Baja and had a phenomenal experience. And it's so much different than it was 15 years ago. I mean, some of the infrastructure is actually pretty similar, but the culture has changed a little bit where it used to just be like real good fish tacos and lobster. Now there's like an elevated food scene. Which well, is Tijuana? We've shocking. talked about that, haven't we? We've touched on it. Yeah, the Tijuana food scene is it's, legit. It's, yeah, it's totally legit. Like totally. it's over the top legit. Yeah, and I didn't actually go into TJ, but even like in Rosarito, around Rosarito, had like breakfast at this French cafe. Like this French woman, it was just completely out of place. Like right. French woman off the side of the road, amazing little cafe for breakfast. Baguettes and. Yeah. Croissants. But but also like elevated, like interesting things, like an omelet with smoked salmon and some blueberry puree. Like why would you have blueberries on it? But it was phenomenal, you know? Um, and then the other thing was this. You have a taste for the finer things in life, I'm telling you, man. Between the chop hop, your red wines, and your blueberry. Well, that, that leads me into my next thing is that there's a wine producing region, um, Guadalupe Valley, just inland from Ensenada. Yeah. Phenomenal, dude. Like yeah. the wines are great. Lunch was amazing. It's beautiful. It's lush. It's green. It's like you're in a different place completely compared to the coastal Baja that you and I are used to. So I had this weekend. It was only two days where I felt like I went to Europe or something. I was surfing out front every day, having amazing meals. Uh, We went to the surf. Okay, here's the one last detail I'm going to give you about this and we can move on with our lives. Um, you know how there's like a craft beer scene in San Diego? Yes, it's huge. Based on stone and then everything Ballast else that has point, come after yeah. it. Well, the same thing's going on in Baja. Like there was this duopoly for a long time with Takati and Corona where they just like dominate the market and keep everybody else out with this kind of heavy-handed shakedown technique, you yeah. know? And local markets aren't even allowed to buy other brands. Otherwise, right. or you just don't get anything because they distribute. Or you won't be able to renew your license next year because Takati works with the government. Right, you know what I mean? Right. So now there's been these like craft breweries uh, popping up, and the beers are amazing. So we like literally one mile south of K38 found this spot called Surf Brewing Company. It's a sh- sushi restaurant, and the fish is amazing. Like it's on par with anything we have in Southern California. 
but cheaper yeah. with 15 beers on tap that they make locally. It was like, and it was killer is that? radical. So it's like, there's no, like I said, it used to just be go get cheap fish tacos and Negro Modelo and then like lobster at night. You can still have that, but then there's this where it feels like you're in LA or like Del yeah. Mar or something, you know? Well, I guess some would argue, why not just, I mean, isn't that the charm of going to local Baja is the Negro Modelo and the crappy street tacos? And you can still have it, yeah. but you can also, you don't have to compromise right. your normal comforts and luxuries. Did and you go to Chicks and Beer? What? Did you visit Chicks and Beer? I don't know what that is. You don't know what Chicks? Chicks? And yeah, beer? No. Chicks and Beer. Is that a spot? Yeah, it's a, it's a gentleman's club. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> I'm glad. Did it seem like I actually didn't know? Did I play that <laughs> off cool? Right. So, but it's that and then like midday going to the wine region and it's just phenomenal. Phenomenal experience in Baja this last weekend. So, yeah, cool. That's my Baja review. I like it. Surf Brewing Company. I'll post links to all this stuff, by the way. Um. What else you got in terms of uh, news that we need to catch up on? Well, I'm not sure we can catch up on stuff, but what we do know that's happening is, um, like, Adriana de Souza won the Brazil event. Um, as far as Brazil events go, it was the surf wasn't bad. Um, but I've taken sort of, you know, I don't want to rehash stuff we've already talked about, but I sort of feel like the, the WSL would be smart to have events, world-class events at world-class waves, regardless of what region that they're in. Could not like this more. time, the time of, hey, um, seats on the beach are as important as seats, uh, you know, in front of the computer is, is over. If you're going to have an event, I don't care where it is, it needs to be at that specific country's or region's world, the most world-class wave during the most world-class moment this is why we have the fiji event in june and not in december because cloud break sucks in december generally speaking you know what i mean like in other words the odds are great that the waves are going to be way better in may and june at cloud break than they are at other points during the calendar year so i think that the brazil event um needs to be i i think all i think the entire wsl not just the, i'm not here to to, to bash brazil if you're going to do Brazil, fine. Do it during prime season for that island, Fernando. Uh, Nerona. Yeah, I can't pronounce yeah. it. But that seems to be the, the perfect wave down there for this right. for, for an event in Brazil. If you're going to, But again, I look at it like, okay, what's the region? The region's the southern hemisphere in the Atlantic. Where's the spot? You know, maybe it's, who knows? Maybe it's those like, those Falkland Islands have got a wave that no one knows about. I don't know. So... I got a comment on the website from Jason Lottos. He said, I find it amazing that Central America is one of the Western Hemisphere's preeminent surf destinations with consistent world-class waves, and yet the WSL continues to support such an underwhelming event in Brazil, where the only thing more disappointing than the wave is watching the best surfers in the world struggle to make a go of it. It would be great if the WSL had a little bit more uh philanthropic approach for at least one event and brought their positive economic impact to places who would really benefit from it like El Salvador where the waves are consistently world class the region and culture would be new and interesting and the communities desperately need the support so totally agree we don't need a Brazil event here's we could have both things by the way they can continue doing six QS 6000 events there do QS events there at Sakurama, you'll have the same exact crowd. I would argue that crowd doesn't know the difference between a QS 6000 <laughs> and the vast majority of beachgoers don't. Right. Because if you do care, you watch it online. 
right. you get replays. Right. Like I don't go to the U.S. Open when it comes around, you know. So the the people who are on the beach will still be on the beach, and you'll still get all of that goodwill and community support that they're trying to get. But you don't need to force Mick Fanning to surf the backwashy waves. Yeah, it's a waste of everybody's time. Yeah, I think that the WSL could just reimagine their entire tour based on the best surfers and the best waves. That's their motto. Right. Totally. And so, you know, why aren't there? And look, you know, it's kind of a, there's a fine line, right? Between, you know, for instance, I was going to say, why not have an event at Chicama? Well, all the guys like you and me that go to Chicama to surf and all, we don't want the WSL Chicama. That's the last thing I want, really, yeah. is like, what, what good does it do me to have those guys at Chicama? It just makes it more crowded. Right. You know what I mean? And th- so it's like that Barra argument. It's like, oh, God, they brought the thing to Barra. Well, it was one of the best swells ever there during the best sandbars ever there, and it was one of the best events ever. But what did it do for you and me, David, the average traveling 20-year-old blah, blah, blah surfer, right? It hurts us. It makes it puts Barra on the map more. And think about it. You know, there's I mean, a big I, argument uh, on the Surfer Mag forums about this, which I think, and it's something you and I have talked about at length. Does the WSL, does pro surfing, does the surfing industrial complex really benefit you and I, or is it just a big wank job for a bunch for a few companies that are making a lot of money? Look, it's a tired argument, as far as I'm concerned. The fact that we all know the name Chikama and Bara means it's already on the map. You might as well do the event there. They're not spoiling anything. To a degree, I guess, if you tracked what the tourism was before they did the event and after, then yes, it increased. But it wasn't a secret. You know no, it's what I not mean? a secret. Like, it's just it's way more of – it's kind of like – it's way more of a pimple on the face now. It's way more people are looking at it and going, oh, look. It is. There's Chikama. I for, no, I look, I don't think you can argue that if you put an event on the tour, it adds – way more eyeballs and way more people are going to go visit that spot. Now, I'm not arguing that. Yeah. Okay, good. So as opposed to, hey, it's not on tour, less people are visiting it. That could be argued that's a better thing for selfishly for you and me, the traveling California and North okay. American surfer. So- now, the local region probably, you know, like the local Peruvian is probably Psych. pretty stoked on the income. And, and 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 who are we to speak for them? We are nobody. It's it's not our country. It's just our selfish little surf spot. I guess my thought is just if you're going to make that argument of let's not exploit these spots and like my potential surf trip five years from now that I want to take there is going to be too crowded. So I don't want to have the world class surfer surf it. If you follow that, the logic of that argument, do you just not produce any surf media at all what is every well, magazine that you look at I what agree. is every video that you look at what is every so i agree the 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 elephants out of the box so to speak like it's too late yeah. to, to repurpose everything and it's i still too go- i still remember gone. taj burrows 10 in that event i still remember andy irons winning that event so like the memories that it generated and the goodwill that it generated for the surfing world just as a whole as fans is worth it. Like that outweighs any potential there being twice as many guys in the lineup next right. time I go there, you know? Okay. Like, so we've gone down that rabbit hole, which we probably shouldn't have gone down, which I just let us down, but let's bring it back to the WSL repurposing their event structure so that it's at nine world-class waves rather. Cause if we're going to argue, Oh, Brazil sucks, then we better argue. Then let's bring it to the, the best world-class waves. 
and are there nine spots? Can you have nine events at nine world-class waves over the course of the year? Of course, the answer Absolutely. is yes. Now, this means wiping off the, the whole concept of we have to visit certain regions. That's, that's gone now. Totally. You know where we need to go? You know, Chopu, Cloudbreak, J-Bay, Pipe. um, Pipeline. Um, I'm still okay with the Chicago. I mean, there's, you, you know, now we, we have to also understand, right, that do these spots year in and year out produce high quality waves during a two week period that yeah. we can sit and wait? And the answer will have to be yes. Or those spots. Yeah, maybe they get good once in a while. But, you know, we're not going to have an event at, say, um, Cane Garden Bay, you know, which breaks, you know, whatever, twice a year or whatever it is. So. I think that they, I think they need to get away from worrying about uh, butts and seats. Now, um, again, their revenue model is like, hey, there's probably a lot of revenue in Brazil. Like, there's there's a huge media company that's willing to throw two million dollars at an event if we come down and put it. And now they're going, oh well, screw the good ways. There's two million dollars down there, yeah. ten million or twenty million, you know, whatever the real lost, number is. You lost the plot at that point, though. You know, like but that's how they got to be thinking. Though. No, they're they don't. At, they're missing the plot because. That two million dollar one time grab, but then let's say it's twenty million over. It's not twenty. Look at here's. Listen, follow my argument. Yeah. You, what you really need to focus on is your ultimate audience is the internet. You want to stream the best quality surf to the internet because the internet there's no glass ceiling to how many viewers you can have there. Right. On Brazil on the beach there's a glass ceiling to how many physical bodies fit on that stretch of beach. So you're. They're focusing on this little $2 million number, and then they're broadcasting crappy waves that Kelly Slater won't even show up for, that Mick Fanning, can't, he is there, but he's not even psyched to surf it, and he can't even free surf it because there's way too many people, and it's way too backwashy, and as soon as it actually gets surfable, they turn the event on, and now you're actually in a jersey. So there's no free surfability. He's bummed. Nobody wants to go to Brazil. Last year, Connor Coffin and I forget one of the women's side maybe carissa moore saw somebody get shot at a gas station you know when right behind the event site so nobody wants to go to brazil morale is low the commentary team is the b-list also you know like it's just the whole thing is rinky dink so what they need to refocus on is sending them to Cloudbreak and having them surf perfect waves and build the audience online where you can then sell the $20 million subscript or um, sponsor package because you have millions and millions and millions of viewers wanting to watch the best surfers in the best waves. Okay, so this brings the question. So if you're a Brazilian, you're like, okay, then don't have an event at Lowers. How's my- I disagree. Lowers How- is a world-class wave. I'm just saying, like, think that through. Like, is- I did. That's no, the answer. But even think this through. It, what's the best world-class wave in Southern California where you can, or in California, or in the Northern Hemisphere- uh, between Canada and lowers in terms of high performance shreddability lowers period. Well, think it through though. There's probably what about Rincon? Not high performance shreddability. What? It's a long right point break. It's different. So's J Bay. So don't so pick J Bay or Rincon. Which one's better? J Bay. Well, that's like saying Cloudbreak or Chopu. You can have no, them both. They're both no, no, mean. No. Cloudbreak's a long roping. Well, I'm not saying there's not sections. minimal. Di- I mean, I know there's some difference in it, but you're talking no, about they're very different. Long ledgy South Pacific. One is one barrel section that you're okay. dropping in on right. the razor edge. Right. So I'm saying, but you're bringing up a good point: is we don't need five barreling lefts. We don't need five right hand point breaks. And lowers highlights a certain style of surfing, and I'm not, and it's the, the best yeah. version of that. And then. 
pipeline represents a certain style, and it's the best version of that. What now, about those blacks? are the places we need to focus on. What about blacks? So you, so now you pick blacks or Hossiger or Super Tubos in Portugal and pick the best of those three because those are more similar examples. Blacks and lowers aren't in the same example. No, I agree. I'm just saying when you think about because the Brazilians are going to go. Okay, if you take an event from Brazil, we take an event from North America. We're, like we're if not they get taking in, a regional event away. We're picking the best waves. I agree. Yeah. And so you're saying that. Lowers is one of the top nine waves in the world. It's the best example of that style of surfing. High performance, shreddability. You got to say lowers. What about macaronis? Maybe, but it's a straight left. Well, I'm I mean, just, that's a better wave, but it's a straight left. T- that's like a skate park. Macaroni's one. Yeah. If, as long as it's below eight feet, it's like a full-on skate park. Yeah. It's way better than lowers. So so put those two in the running and then figure out logistically so what, what I get, makes I guess what sense. I'm getting at is that I'm sure that given enough time and thought, there's you could find a better shreddable skate park type wave than lowers. And if you do, does the industry go, oh, my God, no, we've got to have an event at lowers because it's Southern California. I mean, we have to have it there. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get that back well so macaroni's let's say macaroni's has a degree of it's better by degrees a few degrees of difference but logistically it's a nightmare to get everybody there and to set up infrastructure now now that factors in no but once you put the best waves into the hopper you got to factor in those other things well i would say look if you can do an event at chopu and at cloud break you can do an event at macaroni's and you know there's a resort right there yeah. that's going to have enough infrastructure, enough bandwidth to pump it through. You know, it's not yeah. like you're doing it at, say, um, what's that other left just down from Macaroni's? Greenbush, which would, there would be a little bit more infrastructure issues. At yeah. least at Macaroni's, there's friggin' everything right there. Okay. So, my, so you get what I'm saying yeah. is that somebody's going to give you pushback about lowers, not based on the wave. They're going to say it's about the wave, but it's going to be about, hey, we need that here because this is where the industry started, blah, blah. You know, you're going to get all that, right? Yeah. You're going to get all of those people that are, you know what I mean? I do. And so that all has to be taken off the table and we have to look for the nine best waves in the world. And that's where the WSL goes because their motto is putting the best surfers in the best waves. World's best surfers, world's best waves. Where are it's those? Not their official nine? motto, by the way. At one point, it was. I yeah. think. I think now it's you can't script this, which is a joke because a Brazilian guy wins in Brazil, an Australian guy wins in Australia. <laughs> Two rights are going to win this year: Owen Wright and Tyler Wright win the world title. I mean, I'm not saying they script it's an it. all right title, Scott. <laughs> Everything's all right. The with caption's the w. all written. All oh right. my god. Um, I think I've seen a t-shirt out there. <laughs> so what are those, you know, th- I'd like the listeners to kind of chime in on what are those nine best waves? Understanding what David brought up, which is important. Can we get the infrastructure there? You know, because you would even argue, you know, some would say Rincon can't support the crowd factor. Well, you're, you don't do it. You don't even allow the crowd. Like the crowds right. aren't allowed. Right. You know, now are you going to buy a permit that shuts down the beach for two weeks? Right. I don't know if you can do that. You can at lowers, but is lowers better than macaroni's? No. Think hard. There's other waves that are full-on skate parks. I mean, basically, you could have the whole event in Indonesia, the whole season in Indonesia. You totally could. And So let me restate. If you just said, hey, David, next year, rub a genie, and next year you get to decide to either have the world's best surfers surf macaroni's or lowers, I would prefer to see them at macaroni's. Like I would throw out lowers and prefer macaronis in that scenario, but 
the reality is once you kind of identify what those best waves are, there are other factors that you have to consider when setting up the event. And again, if it's only a couple degrees of difference between macaronis and lowers, but it's infinitely easier to set up the event at lowers, that does factor in. Right. It just does. And and again... and that brings not, me to, hey, if you can set it up at Cloudbreak, you can set it up at Macaroni's. You, like, true, but that's not what we're talking about with Brazil. What we're talking about with Brazil is the waves are terrible. Right. Even Brazil's in the best the case table. scenario, they're terrible. So why are we still there? Where, as Jason mentioned, the listener, like El Salvador has got a super sick right-hand point break, and that caters to the region as a whole. I guess that's Central America, whereas Brazil's South America, so maybe not. But there are phenomenal waves in South America that would cater to the region by having the event there, even though that's not what we're doing in this example. Yeah, we don't want to do that. Uh, right, right. That's right. what I'm saying. Like, take that out of yeah. the equation. But, yeah, Brazil's out as far as I'm concerned. I don't see... Well, I'm but, not saying Fernando. Maybe that island Fernando's in. I'm okay with that. I'm okay I just want the too. world's best surfers and the world's best waves. But and, I, I told... For, seen, the, for the CT level, absolutely yeah, we do. Yeah. So, and But, again, we can... Both, peop, both sides can win this argument because... We'll still do the QS 6000 there. Right. You guys still get a bunch of QS events every year in Brazil. So is France a, a CT? I don't need it. When Hossiger is pumping, yes, it should be, but it's not always. For for the most part, that event, the Portugal and France event, run in substandard waves. And maybe they get one round where the waves are pumping, and that becomes the highlight reel. But I don't want to watch through round one, round two, round three to see, like, you know... A couple of highlights. Is Snapper on the CT? I'm okay with that. Is Bells on the CT? I don't want Bells. I Is Margaret River on the CT? Margaret's no. I think. What about could, North Point? I think it'd be rad if we could figure out North Point. I'd be totally open to that. Yeah. Like so, the reason why I like Margaret is because now with the rotating venue, I love that concept of like, hey, it might be at the box and it might be at North Point. And it seems like this year they did a pretty good job of that where we did end up getting good waves. Even though I don't think they ran a single heat at uh, the box this year. They did in previous years and it was so killer. Yeah. And the one round that they ran at North Point was lackluster. It was just slow, you know? Yeah. But I love the idea of that, having a rotating venue within. So you're okay with Margaret's, but you'll be bummed if it's actually at Margaret's. Yeah, kind (laughs) of. Unless John John does what he did again because that was cool. Yeah. It's interesting. The whole concept of it is interesting. I mean, you see both sides of the equation, right? You're, you're like, hey. Yeah, totally. How do you- John John Florence in, at Susquarma, or what's it called? Sakurama. Sakurama. <laughs> Isn't that bad, except he didn't get through his heat. Yeah, so he now lo- it's bad. Lost to Yago Dora, who is a spectacular. That kid was ripping. So let me use that to segue into Fiji, actually. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role, and there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn Jobs. Your time and capital are precious, and there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references, and now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 
2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's LinkedInjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Um, Felipe Toledo got suspended, obviously, from the Fiji event because of an interaction he had with the judges in Brazil. He got an interference against Kano Igarashi. And it's reported that he stormed the judge's tower. I want to know Good. What, what does that mean, Scott? It means he 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 ran up there. He walked up to the judges in sort of a half sprint, and um, he probably laid out a verbal assault that included f bombs and expletives that okay. are unprofessional, not conducive to professional conduct. I I want to know what he did. Oh, what exactly he did? Because oh, he they, went up there and went, you know, he just went off on him. Did he throw? Probably flipped him off. He might punch? have flipped the board. Did he throw? No, a punch? no, did no. He, I think if he threw a punch, he, that's a whole. whole did he curse life. at him? Like what? <laughs> yeah. I want to know what constitutes getting um, ejected from the next event or suspended from the next event because. Everybody they well, used the press this, release was out there. Yeah, but they didn't say what it was. Everybody right. just says he stormed the judge's tower, like. With his, I don't think Felipe is the kind of guy that throws punches. I think he storms, he gets red, he gets hot, and he lets out that you know Brazilian machismo through verbal context. You know, I mean, because there's guys who go up there and, and they complain to the judges, yeah. and nothing happens. And then there's examples in the past of Sonny Garcia throwing rocks at the judges from the beach. <laughs> there's examples. I think it was Jeremy Flores a couple years ago of like running up there and they locked the door on him because he looked angry and he was like pounding the door trying to pound it down. <laughs> and he got he got suspended as well. So it's like, where, what did Felipe do exactly? Like, I know somebody who's listening to this was there and they know what he did. I would like to know what constitutes being suspended. Yeah. You know? Because I agree with you. He doesn't seem like the guy who would throw a punch. And so... It's his dad, right? Isn't his dad a little off the Richter? And, and so Gabriel's dad's been reprimanded in the past. I think yeah. he was... Uh, not allowed at the first couple of events this year. Yeah. So if it was his dad, then his dad wouldn't have right. been allowed at the Fiji event and Felipe would have. So Felipe did do something. Yeah. What did he do is the question. Yeah. Now, the reason why I said Yago Dor is the segue into that is I'm kind of glad. I don't want to see Felipe at Cloudbreak. Like, I want to see a wild card there. Like, I hope they give Clay Marzo the wild card. I would infinitely rather see Clay Marzo surf Fiji in cloud break and restaurants than Felipe Toledo. I I'm not against Clay Marzo being there, but but there's no way Clay Marzo will advance through that competition. There's no way. There's no. I mean, advance through it. I mean, have you seen him surf? No, he surfs insane. I, I you know I I love I would love to see it, but if you th- he's like Dane Reynolds, he's worse than Dane Reynolds. Would he's like call, would you say I don't know that- when's my heat. I don't know. I'm gonna eat some cereal. So oh, you- I guess I missed my heat. Okay. <laughs> Might you s- refer to that as I don't know a wild card? 
No, I he's agree. a wild he's a, card. No, he's the perfect wild no, card. You, Dane no. is the perfect wild card. Because no, you're right. you you're, want the, you're right. We've had that discussion, and you're right. I you mean, want the guy who's that. He's either tens or twos. Well, look, there's wild cards like the guy at Jay Bay that that the kid. No, no, the older guy that's won it or was in the oh, finals. Adam Robinson. No, was it? No, maybe it was him. You know who I mean? The guy that went all the way through, like he won the trials and then made it to the final. He made it to the final and lost to Parko Adam right. Robinson. Yeah, Robertson. Right. So that's the kind of guy where you're like, he's he's competitively savvy. He's he's you know he's just tuned to advance through and really be a wild card, like really be a wild card, as opposed to okay. Some guy is going to lose in round three to this guy or lose in round one to this guy or you know, lose in round two. to the, Like he's going to take out Parco or whoever, right? McFanning, you know, and then that's it. It's yeah. like he blew up and then he didn't show up for the next heat because he realized, oh, my God, I actually am right. in this thing where I want somebody that's like, yeah, I'm this round three isn't my goal. See, I, I like the Adam Robertson story, but to me, the better story is Yago Dora, where it's like he takes out John, John, Gabriel, Mick. World champs makes it to the semis with a high flying, super interesting, I, exciting I routine, and I think Clay Marzo is that e- no, equivalent. Not even. All right, who do you want to see replace Felipe? Then I don't mind Yago, but Clay Marzo is oh, going to be, be killer, is going to be round three. That's what I'm saying. Like Yago is in the Adam Robertson mold, where he's competitively going to get there. See, I think Clay Marzo Clay- hasn't put on a jersey in a long ass time, and if he was, it involved probably like a bucket of you know a resin bucket of beer. Or oh something. no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he's just not, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think he's competitively, psychologically fit to dominate. You know? I think you're. He's a free surfer. We love him for that. I love Clay Marzo. Yeah. I don't think he's the guy. I think the reason why yeah, he'll do some damage in the early rounds. The reason why I'm calling a comparison between him and Yago is that their approach is similar, where they're both super explosive, um, and so that's what I want to see in a wild card. But I agree with you actually that I think he earned his spot into this Fiji event by doing what he did in Brazil, and he's a goofy footer. He seems like he would be able to actually provide some performances at Cloudbreak, even though it's so wildly different than. Sakarama. Um, I've never seen him surf out there. I've never actually seen Yago surf medi- medium-sized waves to big waves. I've only seen him surf small waves. But I think that could be a phenomenal pick. Yeah, I would love to see him. He's I, w- I was very impressed, and I had I knew what we were getting when we when we got on when he showed up for the Brazil event. I I've knew, seen him just enough. To I knew know he was dangerous. That he was he's like a freakish talent. But but he also puts on a jersey. Like he's got. Yeah. A mindset for getting it done. Yeah, totally. So, um, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, speaking of Fiji like and, and crazy goofy foots, for me, setting my fantasy surfer team up, the question has been Owen Ryder, Gabe Medina, knowing that I'm going to take John, John, and Kelly. And money-wise, it only leaves me with I have to choose between Owen and Gabe Medina and... Gabe's friggin' phenomenal out there. I mean, Gabe's. You know what Gabe's going to do this year? He's going to he's going to land something crazy on the end section, and it's going to put a nine. It's going to go. It's going to be an eleven. You know what I mean? I I could agree with that because he almost did it the last couple of years. And and actually, I will say, Idolo 
set laid the groundwork for that because Idolo's rookie year on tour, remember he was bashing the end section over Dry Reef where everybody else kicked out for our entire lives. Guys kicked out on that section, yeah. and then he'd get barreled, come out and do a big float and like free fall drop, boom on the reef and stomp it. Yeah, and people were tripping. Yeah, so I think that Gabriel we saw dude, one up that Gabe now. was doing some half How airs and kind of stopping yeah. and land. You know, and I could see him just try to land it soft in the white water and kind of. Claim yeah. it and then throw his body out the back or something, yeah. you know, like something crazy. So Owen doesn't have that. I don't think that's in his game. I don't expect it. I and it shouldn't be. Yeah. But um, so I chose Owen over Gabe for just because I'd rather, you know, see a um, blonde hair, blue eye boy taking. No, back. no, no. <laughs> a guy that's had his head bashed in and it's oh, oh, that storyline. Yes, story God, you're. You're no. so racist, dude. I'm racist. I'm trying. What you're, you're throwing your race? Your your what's the word when you you're transmitting? No, you're you're. Oh, oh, that's you're what putting happened. your racism you, on me. You're on the record saying Gabriel's the black hat bad oh, guy the, that oh, you want to root against. No, no, that's true. That's true. He's the, but that's not based on him. That's based on his attitude towards his sort of. This is based on him raising his arm and shaving his underarm pits on. Yeah, for, for commercials and this is uh, the spit cast, by the way. So spit, spit your. I'm spitting my vitriol. Scott. Yeah, Come all right, on. good. No, well, I I don't even want to reveal my picks, but I'm going to because you just did, and I put Owen on my team too. I was in the same dilemma. Yeah, and it's like even though Gabe has a track record out there, yeah, the way that Owen has surfed it in the past is more memorable to me. Like I remember Owen's waves out there more than I remember Gabriel's. But waves. tell me this: I know when you picked Owen over Gabriel, you're like, oh, I'm going to regret this because that's what I was thinking. I was like. Well, so yes, and there's a couple reasons why that factor. Because Gabe in. dominates out there. Well, there's a couple reasons why that factored in. Not only does Gabe dominate, but he's been having a lackluster year, and he's gonna meet, need to make a surge at right. some point. And right. he's, in the past, he's done it late in the season. Right. Um, it might have been the year he won, or maybe I forget. Maybe it was last year, but it was like in Europe he started. Yeah. Now making events and winning yeah. events. And so I could see him now getting his footing yeah. at an event that he's done really well in in the past. But I will also say that Owen Wright, this could be the best you can't script this moment where it's like this guy comes from in injury. He's currently ranked, I think, third. Like he's there in the finals or near the finals consistently throughout this the beginning of this season. This is an event that he's won in the past. This is an event that he's had um, two perfect heats in two years ago. Like it's kind of his event to lose in a lot of ways. So I'm going with Owen. I'm just hoping he doesn't get a concussion from duck diving. <laughs> I'm hearing Knock some on wood. Can you really get a concussion from duck diving? Um, and if you can, how come he's the only one in the history of surfing to get one? I don't know that he is the only person in the history. And why of don't they surfing? have concussion protocol out there? If concussions are part of the well, situation, well, what are you implying? I mean, that's the story that's been reported, and that is um, what we. I'm not implying anything. I'm just wondering if, since we have established that you can get a concussion from duck diving, how come there isn't concussion protocol? Every you know when yeah. people duck dive, we, somebody in all other pro leagues, when somebody gets hit, they get looked at. Yeah, that's all. I'm just saying. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> go Owen. We both have Owen on our team again. Gabriel's the defending champ, by the way. Yeah. Um, I want to use that opportunity to jump ahead in the show notes to the kook of the week. No, 
I have to. Okay, well, we got to come back then. We'll come back. You can come back to yours, but I'm going to go with mine now. You and I are the kook for our fantasy teams, dude. Like, this was a conversation about fantasy. Our fantasy teams are doing horrible. You and I. Speak for yourself. Dude, horribly, Scott. Look at the numbers. We have 500. Am I beating you? Barely. Then I'm winning. Then I'm winning. You lost in Rio to me. That's all I remember. Whatever. All um, I know is I'm winning. I'm dude, beating you right now. I'm ahead of you in points. So you have 2,000. It's really just between you and I. It really is. And so thank you. You have 2,726 points. I have 2,620 points. So we are close. It could go back and forth through each event in the rest of the season. We have 556 members in the clubhouse. You and I are in the bottom half of the clubhouse, which I think is unacceptable. Like you and I, we're the experts. We are the preeminent surf broad pod broadcasters on the internet, in the internet land. And we should know better than anyone else. And yet we are flailing miserably. Where are we relative to everyone? The bottom half. I'm like 277th out of like 556. And you're like 250th or something. This is just our group. This is just our group, our right. fantasy group on Fantasy Surfer. Right. Yeah. So I'm ahead of you by 20-something. Yeah. You're ahead of me by 106 uh, points specifically. All right. Well, so I'm going to take it back in no, Fiji. No, 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 But, dude. have got a good I, team. In past <laughs> seasons, we've actually held our own. Like, we were right. never in the top 10. Right. But we held our own, and, like, I won the women's division a bunch of times. Oh, my I, God. That's the way, of my cap. I if you would take trophy. away some of your energy from following, you know, who you're going you know, to pick on the women's side, side you'd probably be a little better. Dude, I've got my women's trophy still on my uh, mantle <laughs> at home. I am very proud of that. That's cool. What is so, it, like a box of? <laughs> <laughs> a box of what? Chocolates. <laughs> Yikes. I don't know. Some, some sort of like hair product. You want me to edit this part out at the end of the show? No, I'm just having fun. It's spit, man. Can't we just have fun? God, does everything have to be so PC that we can't just have fun and tell jokes? Um, just send hate God, it would to be, Scott. Life would be so boring. Uh, by the way, the, the women's event starts in three days and the men's event starts in 10, which I far prefer when they stagger the events. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah. I hate when you... St- you show up for Dawn Patrol and it's like, oh, are they going to run the men or the women today? And then they got to decide who gets to run in better waves, yeah. which is unfair to both peop- both yeah. groups. So I think it's rad when they are able to do the women's event separate from the men's. And that's exactly well, what Well, and I was teaching. looking at the long-term forecast and it it's going to be better later in the, in the, in the waiting period. So... Yeah, so better in for other the words, men, essentially? I, it starts on the 28th. There's not going to... There's, there's this pretty cool storm that comes up underneath australia and slides alongside new zealand which is what you want you want a storm between the east coast the gold coast and new zealand something in there that's going to create really good waves for cloud break okay and there's something like that you know right around like the second or third or fourth of june okay so better for the men yeah um but the women have really held their own and done you know sally fitzgibbons i mean there's a lot of girls that that charge cloud break yeah. and they deserve big, good cloud break. Cause that's a big, good way where they can really show off, you know, like they are making incremental steps towards dominating, you know, towards surfing Mavericks and jaws. And you've got to give them that, you know, that they're making steps. And, and just like the guys, it's baby steps. Like no one was surfing Maverick. No, you know, yeah. it, it takes well, time, but, but suggesting that I have to watch it or that I have to like it, 
is a joke. I'm getting emails that are like, oh, you're, you're sexist, misogynist because you won't watch women surfing. No, I want to watch great surfing. I don't care what gender they are. But if it's not great, I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch myself. I don't want to watch David Lee Scales surf. You know what I mean? You're really missing out, dude. There's <laughs> a whole world of joy that you've I've just I've got it. this vision of your style and it's it's not pretty. It's amazing. It fits with the Are there photos right? of you online that I can mm, I've I've had most of them taken down. <laughs> <laughs> I scrubbed the internet. Well, I'm not very good either, so Um so when Here's, in, Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, you go. Well, um Look, this thing's called the Outer Known Fiji Pro, right? So it brings up this question. Does Kelly Slater completely recuse himself from this event due to his company being the title sponsor? Have we ever been in this situation before? Well, I don't Where know. Where one of the but competitors is the sponsor of the event? I don't know. I don't think we have. But it, there's definitely a conflict of interest. Now, so I asked Dave, our friend Dave Prodan, who's the vice president of communications at the World Surf League. So Dave, I asked him this same question verbatim. Does Kelly Slater recuse himself? And he said, look, there's been no discussions that I've been a part of regarding Kelly Slater not surfing in this event. Under the new structure as of 2013-2014, event sponsors are well removed from any technical components to events. The call, the judging, etc. Another way to put it is that they have zero influence or interaction with any conversation regarding when we run, when we don't, or anything to do with judging. Essentially, event sponsors have zero ability to compromise the integrity of an event. Background on the previous structure when event sponsors and licensees, is what they were called in those days, still had zero interaction with judging, but they did have a contest director that was usually employed by the sponsor, Luke Egan, for right. Billabong events, Damian Hardman for Rip Curl events, etc. That contest director was part of a three-person committee, including the ASP head judge and the surfer rep that would make the contest calls. And this decision now, in today's world is the sole responsibility of the commissioner's office optics wise i can see where one would ask this question scott however in practice it's such a non-issue that it's understandable the conversation never came up or if it did was brief so my response to dave's email that i just read is i have no doubt that that kelly slater is not going to have any effect on any of the main decisions what i'm saying is it's not that he's of – course, of course he's not going to – I mean, that is like a given. I'm just saying that if Kelly Slater wins this event, it just looks bad for the WSL. <laughs> it just looks bad. It doesn't matter that there was none. Don't you get it? It's not right. It makes the WSL look yeah. wrong. This is just wrong. Like, yeah. And it's all about optics. And it, there's no way the optics look good. Yeah. Right? I agree. Yes. That being said, he's on my fantasy team. Of course. He's I want on him to team. surf in it. I'm just saying – this is not good. This is a step backwards in integrity. It, I completely agree. And I would go one, I mean, this is tangential, but I would go one further and say it really is another indicator to me that Kelly's not going to be on tour next year. This is a three-year contract that Outer Known has with Fiji. And I feel like he's he did this because it's like, Oh, well, this will be my final event there anyways, and I want to have a legacy in Fiji beyond me surfing in the events, and that's what this is setting By up. By the way, who has more experience at cloud break, more competitive experience, Nobody. more – more? who would you turn to to go, should we run or shouldn't we run? Kelly. Absolutely. And who's, he's the guy. who spends more downtime there than anybody else? Nobody. He's there – 
off off. You'd be silly tours. not to ask him if we yeah. should run the event there. Right. And so now you've got you know again. I want Kelly to surf in it. Nobody's a bigger fan than, of Kelly Slater than me. And I want him to win the event. I want him to win. Yeah. But I'm just saying, it's, you can't have a guy who owns the company sponsoring the event winning the event. Right. That's just... Yep. I totally it's agree. It's just... Even if and, if... and we all know it's going to be above board. I'm not... He's not going to have... If anything, it's going to hurt his chances with the judges, I would think. Right. But it's just not right. Yeah. I totally agree. Did you tell Dave that? I didn't think I had to. I mean, I made it pretty clear that, yeah. you know, this, like, I'm surprised nobody else has brought it up. We're yeah. just going to kind of let this slide under the carpet? I don't know, man. It's kind of surprising. Anyway, just think about it in another context, like the NFL or the pro tour or let's say Jordan Spieth. Actually, that's just, there's not a good analogy there, but there's a good analogy somewhere. And look, you just it'd be like if you and I had a surf contest. We invited a bunch of people to be in it, say all of our listeners. It was sponsored by us. We put up the winning amount of money. We paid some contest guys to put it to, to do the infrastructure for us, and then we won the event. Right. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't look good. Doesn't look good. Even if we had nothing. It, even if we surfed our balls out, it jeopardizes the credibility of. The WSL, yeah. not anybody no, exactly. but the WSL. Yeah, exactly. Um, so last week... I'm going to take Kelly off my team. <laughs> don't. No. Last week, I mean, that would just be a bad decision. Yeah. Um, did you buy him at the beginning of the season when he was cheap? Yes. I think it was like $5 bucks or something. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I put Mick Fanning on my team. He's like 5 or $6 million. Yeah, he was. How can he, he not put He the- came in like 23rd into the season. Um. So last week when you and I met, the reason why I was down in your neighborhood was I went to that proximity film screening or premiere at La Paloma. Yeah. Do you ever go to film openings? You don't. Why not? You don't care? No, it's not. I, I, you know what I don't like is I, I, I feel socially awkward in the, in some of those situations. Like, Mm. I don't want to go bro bra down. I'm just not into bro bra down. I'd rather hang out with my real friends, you know, like, yeah, then go. And not that those, there aren't a lot of good people and friends and acquaintances and stuff like that. But, um, I think if I was 25, I'd be all about it, but right. I'm just, I'm bro broad out, you know, like it's, it's, I feel the exact same way. And well, I'm sure the film was great. I know the La Paloma is a beautiful place. I've been there for, you know, I've been going there for 30 years. Yeah. I've seen shows there. I've, I've, I love it. Yeah. And I'll go see a movie there, you know, but I. No, I feel the I same don't want to go to a sold social. out, hyped out surf thing. Instant If you're a part of Instant News, you got to be there. I'm like, oh, you know what? I'm not going to that thing. I feel the same way socially, which is weird. Like, I think I'm pretty good socially, like just interacting with people, you know, and like, but I. Left to my own devices, I'm a recluse. I like am I'd, too. I'd rather stay home by myself. Me than too. To, and but the problem is, I really wanted to see the film, and I knew this would be my first opportunity. So it's kind of like that desire to see the film trumped any social kind of awkwardness that I was feeling, or you know, not wanting to participate in that. Um, so can I tell you about the film a little bit? Yes, I'm sure it was great. I look forward to seeing it online yeah. on my big screen at home when I can just be with my dog and watch the film and relax. 
here's the conflict I was have. Was there screaming and hooting? No, which what? I was surprised about. That's bullshit. It was the tamest, most reserved surf crowd I've been around in a long See, time. See, everyone was like us. They're worried about what other people are going to you know, I was like, oh, so Here's the problem I have, Scott. Yes. With this podcast and some of, I don't know, the etiquette that pops up is I want to be 100% honest at all times. Right. Especially to the listeners who I feel like we have personal relationships with. But you're too invested in the industry and li- you don't want to you, piss you, people off. You bump up against that sometimes. All the and time. And it's like Todd Glazer, I had him on the podcast and he's heavily involved with that. And Taylor Steele is somebody who I want to have on the podcast that I've talked to about being on the podcast. And I want to like be able to congratulate him all the time. And the film was good. So I'll say that it was good and I think people will be happy with it. And I also feel like I might just be turning into a cynical a-hole where (laughs) nothing, nothing satisfies me anymore. You know, like my bar for what, let me stop you real quick. Yeah. Cause I need you to know something that tell me, and I know, you know, this, I'm just going to reiterate this before you continue is that Todd and Taylor, this is like, they poured their heart and of soul course. into this. Thing. Yeah. And, and this is their baby, you know, and this is their hard ass work. They yeah. worked really hard on it. Okay, go ahead. Why'd you feel the need to say that? I just want to just, I'm just trying to help you. I'm just no, trying to help. I'm not, I'm not. I'll tell you why, because I have done this exact thing. I've been on this radio, on this podcast and said things about a film that two guys in the industry, very well-known people in the industry i won't say who and i spoke honestly about the film there were certain parts that i liked certain parts i thought were lame and i said it just like this in the yeah. same tone and i was just being sincere and honest you yeah. know and these are the same people that are like oh the surf media is lame because all you do is kiss everyone's ass why don't you be truthful once right. in a while? okay well yeah and and the drama that occurred because of that was so not worth my little opinion being spit out there into the world, especially mm-hmm. when you and I aren't getting paid, but we do owe it to the listener to be sincere and honest. That doesn't deter me at all. Okay, good. And I think that my setup- I'm glad it doesn't. Well, because- no, my setup or what you think is coming, you right. think is worse than it actually is. Right. Because the film is actually good, but it wouldn't be like- That's like saying <laughs> that board would work good if you get it in some good ways. <laughs> like, yeah, no shit. What board doesn't work good when you get it in good ways? Right. So I'm going to give- But I, I also- like they deserve an object or like an, an analysis yes. of yes. the work. Yes. So you realize they're going to be mad at you. But again, I also look at this as introspective where it's just like, God, I think I'm just an a-hole now who has too much amazing stuff all the time. And if it doesn't completely tickle my fancy, like I can easily write it off because I just have this, this, you know, glut of amazing content at my fingertips. I'll play the role of Taylor and Todd and and I'll try to rebut. Okay. I had super high expectations for the film. Um, It is very polished and it's technically proficient. Like it's beautiful as a film. The only um, criticism that I have about the film is that the structure and the narrative feels disjointed and it completely undercuts their original effort. And I'll explain what that means. Um, I'm going to give you the premise of the film first. They have four groups of surfers that went on four separate trips. The grouping is only of two people and they wanted to do like this old, uh, basically a generational representation 
so it's like, let's focus on style. Well, we got Rob Machado and Craig Anderson, and we're going to send them on a trip. So you could see why those guys fit together stylistically. Mm-hmm. And let's go put them on a long left-hand point break and watch them surf. And then let's get John John Florence and Kelly Slater, right? Great. Older guard, newer guard. Let's get um, Shane Dorian and Albie Layer. Great combination of guys. Big wave guys that both kind of come from Hawaii, Big Island, Maui. And then the the fourth pairing was actually the most interesting, which was Dave Rostovich and Stephanie Gilmore. So interesting concept. And then furthermore, and Todd explained this a bit, furthermore, let's really just be a fly on the wall of their surf trip. You're pounding on the table. Am I? Yeah. Sorry. Let's be a fly on the wall of the surf trip and not just document their surfing, but let's document their interactions and like them discussing style. Let's document Rob Machado and Craig Anderson discussing style and, um, and then weave that into the storyline and into the narrative. So all of this I'm fully on board with. And I think that it is a really interesting concept and I love it and I support it. Now, when I say that the structure is disjointed is in reference to the way that they edited it in post-production it starts off with like showing one wave of um one of that like let's say one wave of rob or ando and then cut to one wave of steph gilmore then cut to one wave of kelly and then cut to one wave of shane and i got i I thought to myself oh this is just laying the foundation for these are four different storylines that we're going to be following but after the opening credits we're going to then follow shane dorian and albie layer through scotland on their surf trip then it'll transition to uh gilmore and rostovich and we'll follow them that wasn't what happened it continued to vacillate between storylines so like you're in japan with kelly and rob and like you see two or three waves and then smash cut to mexico and steph gilmore and and there was it it seemed very disjointed i kept thinking it would click into rhythm but it never really did um and so that's my only criticism of the film was that there while the concept was great i don't feel like it fully got excavated and when i just started to get into kelly and john john playing chess wherever they were at they never revealed the locations but when I was just getting into their chess battle and hearing them banter back and forth and kind of rib one another, it would smash cut back to Scotland with Albie Layer and Shane Dorian throwing darts in it. And they're having a completely different conversation that it's like, Oh, I remember that they were talking about that 10 minutes ago, but now I'm back to it and I have to like reset my headspace. So I feel like again, some of the original intent got lost in post-production trying to make it in it you know i i don't need to restate what yeah. i've already said no, I, I, that, I, that's my criticism well i can't speak for taylor or todd then because i could see your frustration with that as as a storyteller that would bum me out i think you know i want i want just give me those guys and i want to get into those guys and then okay that segment's over now give me these two guys i want to get into those two guys weaving it in and out and just joining it and breaking it up is certainly um it's a gutsy it was a, a gutsy, gutsy move. move and i thought throughout the film i was like would i have preferred it if they just gave me these individual like broke it into quarters basically and given yes. me each and then i thought no that's too traditional like that's what we would have been doing for the last 20 years so i could see the desire to mix it up yeah however i don't think it was a super successful expression of right, it right um 
and I never felt quite settled in. And then I just realized, well, why not just put all eight people on all four trips together and track the entire trip? That might have been the solution. But again, that would be too traditional. Yeah, maybe they, you know, maybe they that were trying been, to trying to stir it up a little, yeah. and change things up. And, and so I and I do admire that. They though. were going NYPD blue on you. And I do admire that. And I love the risk and the change. And I will say, my overall impression is it is a good film, and everybody should go watch it. But I I want to also provide constructive criticism and just say that was my this one viewer's experience. I will say the best part of the film was Stephanie Gilmore. In terms of the waves that I found most compelling were the waves that Stephanie Gilmore surfed, hmm. which I wasn't anticipating. Kelly and John John's sections were also actually the the surfing was good, but it's not memorable. Right. Like waves that John John got in West Oz are more memorable to me than what was in this film. So none of the surfing in the film was groundbreaking as it has been in past Taylor Steele films. Um, it did a great job of. Um, representing the cultural experiences that people were having. Like, I really got a great feel for Scotland with Shane Dorian and Albie Lair. I got a great feel for where Rob and um, Ando were, even though they don't disclose that location. So I loved that about it. And I think that Taylor Steele's done a great job of that in his more recent works, you know, um, Sipping Jet Streams and um, This Time Tomorrow and some of those films, which were like, yeah. improvements over good times and the old films he was doing that were just surf porn. Yeah. So I like the progression of Taylor's career and craft. Yeah. He's definitely, um, you know, like any filmmaker, right? He, he's, he's moved on in his own age and he's wanting to do things that are, are more interesting to him Yeah. rather than just, you know, when you're 15, he was putting out the great surf porn and, and sipping jet streams is certainly an example of, Hey, let's try something else. You know? Totally. But see that, to me, like, this sort of answers why I don't go see surf films. Because I'm kind of, like, to me, a surf film is a surf film is a surf film. What's interesting is ideas, people, personalities, relationships, conflicts, yeah. you know? And those things, you can excavate and create great drama and great movie making without surfing. In fact, I don't even want surfing involved in any of that stuff. Like... Let's make a great movie. You know what I mean? And, and that's not to say that surfing and surfing people and relationships and ideas and cultures don't already have those things. But then to just throw guys riding waves on top of something you're trying to excavate is just like a big yeah, wank job. I agree. I think it's either, for me, it's either give me surf porn. And oh, by the way, I can get two minutes of it anytime I want on YouTube or anywhere online. Right. Killer cuts, edits everywhere. Or... Give me some great 30 for 30 about Eddie yeah. Icau or about um, Duke Lacrosse or, you know, any great story, you know? So you the problem is, and, and I'm not saying the problem, but I think that the, the issue can be when you try to combine the two. They just don't combine. Well, I, I actually would think that or would argue that Taylor and Todd did a successful job of that. They actually did a successful job of showing you the relationships and the surfing was almost an it wasn't really the focus and these people do surf together and so we got to see some of that but it wasn't um surf porn with just some b-roll added in 
or exposition. So then, added the, in. then the four stories have to be extremely compelling. There has right. to be conflict. There has to be resolution, or exactly. at least some. And to, I'm getting the sense, and I didn't see the movie, that it was just like, yeah, they're playing chess, they're having fun. Isn't that cool? It, and to me, it is cool, but it's not a movie. Well, they they were the fly on the wall where there, I think, was an opportunity to maybe. Um, create scenarios for them to have some conflict and to have some resolution. Was there conflict? Was there a, I, I Not, didn't see no, the film. No, there really wasn't. Again, being the fly on the wall, they just kind of listened in on conversations that were happening organically. Right. There might have been opportunities to spur on. But they got a bunch of that, and then they chose the finest that made the cut for yeah. the film. And so right. what you saw was the finest. And was, there was some deeper insight well, into who these people were, which is great. You know, The chess match with Kelly and John John was interesting and hearing them talk but we don't know who won the chess match so there's like no resolution there or like uh rastovich and steph gilmore one of their conversations was about like their paths in their career where he is uh gone free surf route and she's gone contest route but like she's dabbled in free surf and like it's a tired conversation, so you know? Boring. So it's like, I want to... What do you want to hear about Dave Rostovich? Just right now. Like, what do you want to learn about Dave Rostovich? I'd be interested in his um, insights and thoughts on drug usage. Perfect. That would be good. Yeah. I would like to hear that too. And I'd like to hear him convincing Stephanie Gilmore or, or sharing his thoughts with Stephanie Gilmore and hearing her counterpoint to that. Insane. See, that, that that's... Be, I get it. So that's what I'm saying is there was opportunities for the filmmakers to really propel these conversations and to instigate some conflict and the resolution that you're talking about rather than just being the fly on the wall. Yeah. That's where it kind of fell short for me. But I love the concept that they set up. I love the what they were trying to execute. I just feel like maybe it could have could have come together better in post, maybe even in pre, they could have set up some of those questions, you know. I but I don't want it to be like you're going to sit in front of the camera and I'm going to ask you and interview you questions. I'm going to, I'm going to ask you questions and interview you. And then it'll be that confessional style documentary that we've seen a million times before. I you, don't want that. Yeah. You don't want a talking head. You know what would be fascinating? Cause when you think about it, they're like, okay, let's get these guys that are really marketable. All those guys are super marketable. Like I'm going to want to go see they're the A-list. I want to go see Dave surf. I want to see Rob. I love those guys. Yeah. They're surf insane. Stephanie Gilmore, beautiful. I've mentioned many times the Princess Diana of surfing. Stephanie, she's she's untouchable. She's she transcends. She's awesome. But as a filmmaker, I say to myself, who are the two most interesting people I can get on a surf trip together? And I say, to, and and then I need to, as you say, seed them with some really thought provoking. Like I need for their personalities to come out after they've had these discussions with whoever it is. So like one of them, and I'm just riffing right now, but you know who's who's like, I'd like to see Richie Collins and Christian Fletcher together on a surf trip. You know, because first of all, I don't really give a shit about them surfing. But yeah, we'll layer a couple of waves just like we layered some waves in proximity. I'm assuming they layered five minutes of surfing for each one of these guys. Yeah. But what I want to know is what's Richie's take on the devil? And You know, like, you know what I mean? Like, now, maybe all those are extreme examples yeah, because you're are. kind of dealing with, you know, I don't know those guys very well, but I'm sensing that they're they're not as well thought out. But there are probably some wealth. And Dave Rostovich is one of them. Dave Rostovich is a smart, smart human. And Stephanie Gilmore is too. So let's get into some really intense discussion. Dialogue. Way beyond, oh, I should have taken the free surf 
Like, yeah. it, like to me, that's, you know, the worst. That's the, no, but the question I have is that's the best that you could have done? Yeah. How about we talk about their thoughts? We need to find out, first yeah. of all, right? We don't know what we would, how we would, how would we would frame the conversation, but we would need to find out where they disagree. Right. And then have that be the conflict. Exactly. And maybe it's on abortion. Maybe it's on. Yeah, um, the conversation isn't to do with surfing. No, hell no. Yeah. I don't want to. Who gives a shit about free surfing yeah. and pro? You know, yeah. The conversation has to be way outside the box. Totally. And that's what they need to do is find. And, and Dave and Stephanie, and I think actually, I don't know Albie Lair, but Shane Dorian, I'm sure, can go into a really good in depth conversation about something. We know Kelly and John John can. I think they had the right guys. We know, we know Kelly can. I don't know. If Have Craig, we ever had John John really share any? No, but just Kelly with anybody is going to be good. Yeah. And why not John John? Because I actually do think he's pretty smart. And, well, still waters maybe run deep because that's how I feel about John. He, he hasn't said anything that made me think he was not intelligent, but he's never said anything. And it's not he's, even he's if, just quiet and reserved all the time. Right. But it's not even if you're intelligent, if it's you're willing to dive deep into these conversations. Because I would say to you just on face value alone that Ando and Machado, I don't think would be the best two to have some deep conversation about. Because right. I know Rob well enough to know that he's pretty reserved. He's not going to put himself out there and bless him for it. It's probably not, a, you know, it's yeah. not in his best interest to go deep into some, but maybe he is. And I don't even know Ando, but I'm assuming he's just some 20 year old ripper Australian guy that, you know, may, might not, you know, anyway, I think that there's better choices maybe in that too. Yeah. But those other ones make sense. Like you, if you talk to Dorian about, Look, Dorian's a hunter. Like there's something we could do there about gun control. Let's talk about conservationism or like all the hate he probably gets about killing animals. You know, like that'd be an interesting conversation. Yeah. And he'll educate us on, no, actually, hunters are the best conservationists, you know. Well, that's right. But the problem, though, is that Albie Lair might not be the – was it Albie? Yeah. Because – I got that impression, First of all, Albie – I don't even know him. I don't know how he speaks or anything. But Albie looks up to Dorian, I assume. Yeah. No, he he talked about that. You can't have that – the relationship has to be mutual respect. It can't be this guy's my hero, so I'm not going to – I'm yeah, not going to discount I, what he says. I don't know that I agree with that fully. I think there could be a really interesting dialogue with that. I that, hope so. That power difference. I, I would hope that there wouldn't be a, oh, I'm just going to acquiesce to his yeah. point of view. Right, right, right. What we need is, we need hammering of heads, hammering of discussion. Smart people talk about ideas and concepts and stupid people talk about spit. People. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, let me cycle back to how we started this conversation where you said, hey, dude, maybe you shouldn't throw shade at the filmmakers and your friends, you know, essentially. Yeah. Um, was that? I mean, I think that this is this is the no, kind of feedback. Think, no. no, but let me. Okay, this yeah. is the kind of feedback and insight and conversation that I think Todd and Taylor want having happen around the work. Like it you shouldn't just be all rainbows and flower or you know smoke blown like these are conversations that i would want to have listeners have about our podcast you know of like hey here's why i hate david and like scott or vice versa or things that i like about david and things that i don't like about david like i that is what spurs on engagement in the art I don't think that there's any listeners now who aren't going to watch the film. I think listeners now are maybe more inclined to watch the film to hear why we felt the ways that we did. My friends and I are having a conversation on text right now about game-changing rock and roll songs. 
game changers. This isn't what's the best song ever or what's your favorite, but what are the game changers? And when you when you take that perspective on surf movies, and you know, I've 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 railed against surf movies for a long time. I, I, I it's just like you've seen one, you've seen them all, and. There are some game changers, right? Like you could obviously, you're going to say, in my opinion, Endless Summer is the greatest surf film ever. There's no surf film better than Endless Summer, but and it's a game changer. And then the other game changer is Momentum, Taylor Steele's Momentum. And you could maybe argue that um, there's a game changer in between those two, but I just think there's great surf films. There's a difference between great songs and game changing songs. In fact, there's game changing songs that I don't even like. It wouldn't necessarily be on my list, you know, yeah. like. Maybe a Rush song or something that's a, definitely a game changer for the way we, or, you know, so they're out there and they're out there with surf films. There's great surf films and then there's game changing surf films. And so I think Endless Summer, Momentum, and I, I'm not sure there's any other game changing surf films. Um, the next game changing surf film was the one that you and I just directed where you have people talking about real stuff that is not like in the bubble of, bro bra yeah you know it's not limited to just really subjects that have been torn apart each way mm -hmm. and that way and all over the place yeah are there any other game-changing surf films game changers not great surf films look i can give you a handful of great surf films i'm talking about game changers here's my problem having this conversation with you is i don't feel like you've paid close enough attention in the last let's say four years to where you're even open to the idea. I think you've already been set in that mindset of like, I hate surf film. And now everything that's come out in four years that I've been telling you about, you write it off and you didn't actually watch the full thing. Because I would argue last year, let's be frank. Could be. Phenomenal and entirely different scripted. All these like like fight sequences that were set up by Hollywood cinematographers and fight like That's directors. why I'm asking you. Yeah. I'm asking you. But I don't think that you saw it. You know? No, I didn't. Yeah. So, but I've I've championed so that that's film, a game and then it won. It actually won an Emmy. So that's a game changer. Yeah, that's good. So now we have three. We have Let's Be Frank, Momentum, and Endless Summer. And and Let's think, Be Frank so, was a game changer. Why? Because it restructured the format with script and with uh, Hollywood, um, you know, cinematographers and stuff like that. Well, there's been really good cinematography. You got to watch it. I, I can't mean, even Sipping Jetstreams had really insane cinematography. I would argue another game changer might have been Kai Neville's Modern Collective. Because that was... Why? It was the emergence of Jordy Smith and Dion Aegeus and Craig See, Anderson. And There's been plenty of surf movies where they show emerging talent. And I think that that's not a game changer. I think that's a great surf film. That falls in line with momentum. It's just yeah, but an momentum was of sort momentum. of momentum I'm was like your argument, right? It's just an updating of momentum, basically. Yes. Yeah, possibly. I mean, maybe to be honest, the game changer is the three minute surf edit. That's the game exactly, changer. Exactly. It the, went, that format. The thing that came after Taylor Steele's momentum, the next big game changer, was I'm trying to think. Maybe John John's. I think it was called seven a few years ago on the North shore where it's like a seven minute. Well, here's, I've got a game changer for you since, since we're talking about, okay, we went from long format to short format, right? What was the first mind bending two minute edit that was on the internet that everyone went, wow, holy shit. I was shit. just trying to think of it when it, I said John John's thing. It was I the mean, Laird Hamilton. Oh my God wave at Chopu and, 
in 2002. Yeah. That was That's the first really... one that blew up the internet. It with, is. Oh my God, everyone saw that clip. And but it, that was and a single sudden, clip though. No, but I'm not even, what I'm saying is that changed the formatting from, hey, we don't need right. 60 minutes. Right. I'm blown away by two minutes. And oh, by the way, I got to go to lunch. Yep. Like I don't have time for 60 minutes. Yep. And I'm suggesting to you that not the content of that, but the content set the tone for, oh my God, we only need two minutes mm -hmm. to have people blown, minds blown. Yep. And I'm, I'm just and throwing that out there. I'm and just throwing, changed, that could be the game changer. And it's changed again now to where we don't even need two minutes. We need 10 seconds on Instagram to watch the backflip. Right. Which speaks to like kooks, the popularity of yeah. kook slams. But it's also not a film. It's now well, that's yeah, no that's a good a surf point. Film, you that's know? a good point, right? What does constitute a surf film? Does it have to be a certain time period length? Does it have to have yeah. a a story? Yeah, behind it, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Look, we've opened up all sorts of Pandora's. The box is open. We we have indeed. Um, oh my god, I've got to get to this last story. <clears throat> um, this is about a month old. I, I'm sort of hesitant to go here, but I'm going to go here because I know you've heard about it. I want to hear it. It's the Salt Creek drama. Oh, dude, I was wondering if we should touch on this. See, or not. I know I've been going back and forth on it too. Anyway, here we are. Fourteen-year-old surfer named London was catching too many waves at Salt Creek around May second, May third, something like that. And he got handled by the local crew, dunk, dunked, yelled at, cut off. The parents are saying he even got the nose of a surfboard, either pointed at him or gestured toward him in an aggressive manner. And uh, this has caused quite an uproar. It did cause an uproar. It's actually settled down, and you and I are now, David, <laughs> we're, re we're stirring the pot with it. But it, it brings up some deeper underlying tones. And so I thought it's important that we talk about it. The mom, Didi Almeida, got involved after her son got dunked. She called the cops, and the whole situation was blown way out of proportion with helicopters Sheriffs showing up, code three, lights and sirens, the whole kit and caboodle. I'll read a little bit, David, from Leyland Connolly's great article in the OC Register. And um, here we go. This is from Dee Dee Almeida, London's mom, the 14-year-old's mom. The tension started to arise when London's contest results were coming in. There was no reason for this behavior towards London other than jealousy. Of course, others tell it differently. London, some say, is disrespectful in the water, paddles around people to hog waves, and mouths off to older surfers. Dee Dee, the mother, they add, is an overzealous mom who fuels the fire when she screams at surfers on the sand. <laughs> Former pro surfer Ian Cairns of Laguna Beach was hired as London's coach. He's the first to admit that London is a born hassler, quote-unquote. Karen said that the teen hasn't been taught, just like hundreds of other young competitive surfers, that there's a difference between recreational and competitive surfing. So, David, my first question is, why hasn't Ian Carnes taught London the difference if he's his coach? <laughs> like, I don't understand. And if he has, why hasn't London heeded his advice? And why is Ian getting paid if he hasn't heeded his advice? I'll continue with the story, David. When you're in a competitive environment against your peers, take your gloves off, Cairns has told London. But when you're in a recreational environment, you have to wait your turn and give some waves away. Again, apparently London isn't listening to his coach. Whether or not the teen has soaked in these words is debatable. Well-known surfers like Christian Fletcher and big wave surfer Rusty Long have chimed in on these discussions. There's been an 
a I know. outpouring of Facebook and social media, surfer mag forums everywhere. It's been on Stab Magazine. This thing really blew up. Um, for the mother, Dee Dee, the May incident at Salt Creek was a breaking point. She said that the man in the water put his hands on London and, quote, assaulted London with the nose of his surfboard. So I had no choice but to call the police, she said. What is a mom to do? I will not tolerate hands-on for whatever reason. That's not part of my social structure. You're not going to come around and wrangle my kids. I understand that. Mothers totally. mothers being mothers. I get that. According to Orange County Sheriff's Department records, the call was reported as assault with a deadly weapon. No arrests were made. Um, apparently, London and his rich parents were in Hanalei, Kauai for a while and got run out of town based on this behavior. So this is not an isolated incident. Um that's certainly not something you're going to want to do in Hanalei. Anywhere on Kauai is show up as rich white people and start getting aggressive. You're, mm-hmm. you're not going to last long, and they didn't. And they ended up here in Orange County, and apparently the behaviors continued. And um, I don't know what kind of commentary you have on it. Um, and maybe I haven't done a good enough job of no. excavating it. No, but. I mean, I I watched this whole debacle from the sideline and never really wanted to comment on it because I thought both sides were pretty wrong, you know? It's like I see I kind of see the London kid the kid London and his parents both as the worst part of Orange County and the worst part of surfing in general where it's just like entitled, acting aggressive, walking around with the chest puffed out and then shaming everybody else and talking crap. And like, it's just like, it's so unappealing to me. And, um, I expect them to get slapped down. And in the seventies you get dunked, you get slapped down and you go home with your tail between your legs and you show up tomorrow more respectfully. So this also highlights the worst part of our modern society where you can't actually do that anymore and i'm not for abusing kids obviously that's a different thing but i am for being able to smack somebody down when they're acting inappropriate you know and but i also understand why the mom would call the cops if her kid got assaulted you know so there's that the whole thing got blown so out of proportion which i'm also against which is also why i never chimed in along the way um I think it highlights for me I think it it does there's a certain element of localism and of the pecking order that exists in the surf world that I think exists for a reason and that is actually beneficial to keeping crowds at bay to keeping uh, a healthy amount of respect in the lineup that I'm totally okay with um and then there's also an element of like the internet firestorm that takes place that I actually hate and despise and that people lose their jobs because they sent one crappy tweet about something that happened to them at Starbucks this morning that's unrelated to their job at all but then that gets taken out of place and they lose their job. Did somebody lose their job? Not not in this environment oh, but like in Hollywood yeah. that'll happen you know. Yeah. So there's just so much about it that represents our culture that I despise. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like the kid is a punk and he should have got punked by an older what a surfer and it should have ended there. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird, right? Like the 
if the kid comes to you and goes, Mom, Dad, this guy dunked me in the water. I can't believe it. You know, the next question should be, well, what did you do to deserve That's that? exactly what the next question well, should be. Well, I cut him off or, I don't know, you know, well, let's find out. And then we go talk to the guy and he goes, look, your kid's being a punk out in the water. Right. But the problem here is that the parents are punks. Or the problem is maybe the guy who actually dunked him is also a jerk. Yeah, exactly. Or he's a grown-up version of London. Exactly. And now we actually have a case against that guy. The reality is, I think, now after time has passed, there seems to be some contrition on the side of the parents. Yes. I saw a statement that the father wrote yes. that was like, hey, I've reevaluated my job as a father and as a husband and seen where I've led my family astray. Yes. And I don't want to do that anymore. So I think maybe actually some good has come of it. That was actually, I can read that. I have that here if you want to hear it. Sure. Um, while I respectfully disagree, this is from the father. I mean, this is after about a week or 10 days of this thing just going crazy on the internet. And it, mean, it made the local newspaper in Orange County, this whole thing. While I respectfully disagree with the idea that bullying is ever justified or that violence is merited as a response to disrespect or misbehavior, I can appreciate that others have a different view. It has been very hard to hear this negative feedback, and I have run through the gamut of responses from defensive to anger to righteous indignation, and finally to resolution that this must be made right. And he goes on to, as you say, um, kind of apologize. Yeah, I want to read actually a couple of highlights from the things that he said to mm -hmm. go on sure. with that statement. Um, he said, I, I, in looking deeply at what I have role modeled, I can see many ways that I have been selfish, aggressive, entitled, and easily offended. Um, this behavior has set my wife into a mode of protection within our family that has been expressed outwardly when the same dynamic plays out in the wider world. So for my part, I do apologize. Firstly, to my family, friends, peers, and the surf community as a whole. Um, I will continue to dive into the root of these issues and work to unravel this behavior and do better for my son, my wife, and for all. In respect to London, he has, as you can imagine, had to face some serious introspection and participate in some very difficult conversations. He has had to take ownership of how others have experienced him, both positively and negatively, and London is a good kid with no negative intention. He will continue to work hard to show uh, this by his actions and engagement with others. So I thought... That summed it up for me, and I was happy with all of that. Yeah, you know, the um, the guys on the Surfer Magazine forums had a field day with this. Of course. And um, one of the things that they dug up <laughs> was where these people got all their money. Do you know, do you know anything about this? No. So, oh man, I so don't care. But okay, a part I won't of me, go there. no, a part of me wants to know so bad. Okay. Give it to me. Okay. Gossip, dude. Let's get it. Okay, it turns out the Almeidas made their riches from internet gambling patents connected to Didi Almeida's father and brother. So his father made a bunch of money with the ability to to create software code that allows for transactions to take place between processing bank merchants and. And the you know the end user the the user interface, and so he just sold these licenses on these patents to all sorts of internet gambling sites, and it also comes to um, pass that he sold they sold Dee Dee and her father and Dee Dee's husband Chris, Chris 
they sold these patents to a large uh, pornography site. So they're okay with, and I'm not going to pass judgment on whether that's right or wrong. You know, that's that's their moral compass, right? But they've made all their money through selling software to licensing software that involves to internet gambling, gambling and to, pornography. To gamblers and pornography yeah. is the world's worst. Which is interesting because she kind of comes off as this like, I don't know. There's they did some more research on her, and if, like the, those guys on that Surfer Magazine message board, they're quite the researchers. They've got a lot of time on their hands. But anyway, it's interesting whenever somebody in the public eye takes a moral high ground. How the the hacktivists of the internet, uh, anonymous and whoever, just go rooting around in all of your skeletons. Yeah, and it's. Things fall apart pretty quickly for the, yeah. the moral high ground. Yeah, people, yeah exactly. The people pounding the pulpit, you know. Yeah. So that's hilarious. I think um, one of the statements, there's a guy on there who goes by the handle uh, MJO Junkie. And I'll just read what he said because I think it kind of best sums it up. Okay. It's apparent these parents want to buy their kids into ability and attempt to shortcut the hard work it takes physically and emotionally to succeed. And this has never worked and it will never work. What does work is long, hard hours and years of practice, plus the gift of athletic ability, plus emotional intelligence taught by parents. This can help to move mountains. But the number one thing I'm seeing is the bringing up of kids to be grateful, thankful, humble, respectful, and with a good attitude will allow them to prosper and move forward to places they dreamed or never dreamed of. A kid with good skills or ability with a horrible parent, and we all know them, will fail miserably at all things and have a better chance of becoming an emotional basket case because of the parent. Very few kids with parents like that will succeed in spite of the parent. Many will succeed because of the parents teaching them social and emotional intelligence skills. London's parents have become fabulously wealthy off people's demise into a dead-end world of gambling. And now their moral compass steered them into selling into pornographic websites. I do not begrudge them of their father's inventions and success, but they have barfed up the worst of it. Complete folly and foolishness. It's very obvious, and they have actually made humanity worse because of it. And that's from MJO Junkie. That's the kind of vitriol that's out there against, wow. against these London and his parents. Wow, that's a pretty compelling statement. Um, it's I, opinionated, and it's you know I, I don't think that they're that bad, but no. But I'm glad that you brought this story up, even though I had kind of um, not brought it up intentionally. I also didn't do that level of research that you did, and this gives me a little more insight and actually makes me feel oddly some sort of resolution about it. I don't know why. Um, but I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Interesting. Very anyway, interesting. I, hopefully everyone learns from it and moves on. Yeah. Fascinating. Hey, the wild cards are set for the outer known Fiji Pro. Breaking news. Breaking news. Wild cards are set. Yago Dora to Bang. join WSL's top 34 as a wild card. Great call. Bethany Hamilton was announced a few days ago. Yeah. And she did great last year. Yeah. So, so just Yago is the only one I, we got? I think so. I wonder who's going to replace Felipe because we do need a replacement. That might just be a guy they call up from the QS level. I'm trying to read into it here. I don't see anything. Uh, it says that, well, th there's the Fiji Fijian guy. He'll compete for the draw for the men's event after winning the local trials. His right. name is uh, Tavita Gukalau. 
Okay. I think he might have done it in the past. Tavita sounds familiar. So, yeah. Awesome. Yago Dora surfs against Jordy Smith and Kanoa Igarashi in heat five of round one. He earned it. I'd be sweating my pants if I was Jordy or Kanoa. Oh, totally. Um, Do you have any Duke or Kook or any closeout comments? Well, my Duke, I mean, my Kook is the parents of London. Oh, they were. Okay. Uh, My my Duke is, um, I don't have a Duke. I've got a Duke. I would like to shout out a rest in peace to the East Coast surfing pioneer Dick Catry. Yes. Who passed away at his home in Melbourne Beach, uh, Melbourne, Florida, I think two Mondays ago due to complications from a recent series of strokes. Sometimes referred to as the godfather of East Coast surfing, Catry played a major role in steering the sport's burgeoning popularity on the East Coast during the 60s and continued to shape its development over the course of the next half century. His list of accomplishments is full of accolades. He was the first East Coaster to ride Pipeline and Waimea. He appeared in some of Bruce Brown's films. He opened one of the first surf shops in Florida, cultivated a team of East Coast riders for Hobie surfboards, and um, he set the industry standard for shaping surfboards and helped kickstart the contest circuit on the East Coast. He also mentored Kelly Slater yeah, and shaped boards for Kelly Slater. Kelly posted a really rad Instagram. That was a cool a picture. Hilarious board yeah. with Catchery written from <laughs> nose to tail as large as you possibly could on like this four foot little weird short board. Uh, at, at any rate, Duke for one of surfing's pioneers who passed away, Dick Catchery. Yeah. Good. Oh, that's a good call. Yeah. Here, here. Yep. All right. Well, until next time, then. Um, this is the Spit Podcast. The Spitcast. The spit, spit. This is the Spitcast. I say spit with an exclamation point. Right. Spit. spit I just cast. spit on the mic. This is the first um, one. So, by the way, we should let listeners know right now, the website will be up and running in the next day or two, but we should continue publishing this on our old feed to get people into the loop before we transition 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 this show onto its own feed. Right. It will be on that own feed, but it will also be accessible on our own feeds, Surf Splendor and Down the Line, which Scott has available through the boardroomshow.com right. or just boardroomshow.com. Boardroomshow.com, yeah. right. So it'll be there for a month or so until it makes the full transition. Right on. On to spit. Killer. Dude, by the way, final note. Yeah. When we left our last recording together, yeah. when we got into that big fight. It wasn't a big <laughs> fight. <laughs> Go ahead. Come on. Sound like my wife. Dude. I now you're gonna throw her under the bus too. <laughs> no. I'm sending her this podcast just so she, I apologize. I love my wife. She's great. Uh, so when we left that recording, yeah. I made a left hand turn out here where you're only supposed to make a right. I got that ticket too, dude. I knew you did. I got a ticket because I've seen you make that left. Did you get a ticket? Yes. Yeah, I got a ticket. We both got tickets. I paid mine already. Me it was too. like two seventy eight or yep. something. Yep, dude. Which made the day even. And I. <laughs> I was like, I was already like bummed out about the day. And then I got that left-hand ticket, not allowed to make a left-hand turn. No. And I made the left and I got the ticket. And I, my first thought was, I bet you Scott got this same ticket one hour ago when he left. I did. And I almost texted you, but I was like, we'll sort it out later. Dude, just added insult to injury. And here's my problem with that left-handed ticket, by the way. Yeah. Listeners who've never been to the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center where we were, were recording this, it's an industrial area. There's zero traffic. I know it's an illegal and there's signs that say don't make a left-hand turn here, but there is zero threat of danger. I could see traffic coming in both ways and that cop is positioned there strictly. Where to, was he? He was just 
not so stance socks is right across the way the next driveway to the right he was hiding out in that driveway uh, waiting to ticket people for making the left-hand turn he pulled two people over with me he just was waving them on he's like pull right over here pull. oh he had, really there's two people behind me that he rode up to so my my <laughs> what i'm pissed about is nobody was in danger i know that this is illegal but you don't need to enforce the letter of the law like the spirit of the law is don't make a left here because it's dangerous. Well, there was zero danger. There was zero traffic. I could see no, a the- mile in each direction. There's no danger at all. You're strictly positioned here to ticket people right. to the letter of the law right. when the reality is any given intersection in San Clemente is more dangerous than what you and I just did. Right. And you should be sitting there keeping people out of harm's way. That's my problem. Fair enough. Dude, enforce this. You know what I mean? Yeah. Get, there was zero angry. danger. Get angry. I was so pissed, dude. Spit cast. It, it was over <laughs> within 30 seconds. He walked up and he's like, you know why I pulled you over? I'm like, yep. Here's my license of registration. He came back 30 seconds later with a ticket and he's like, here you go. I'm like, peace. Have a good I, day. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, uh, cause I don't, I don't think you're allowed, you're, you're supposed to admit it. So I was just like, I think so. Like I was real ambiguous. He's like, you don't know why. And I go, uh, uh, I just kind of yeah. like mumbled. I didn't want to like get on record that I admitted that what yeah, I did. It was what it was. Like I, I know. as soon as I did it and I saw the lights, I'm like, yep, I, I deserve this. But at the yeah. same time, can you do something better with your time? No. This this feels like entrapment. You know what I mean? There was zero danger here. Thanks, Trump. Yeah, Trump. Thanks a lot. <laughs> hey dude, epic first spit cast. Spit casting. Until Scott, next hey, time. Hey, nice to uh resolve everything. Easy pal. I, oh. <laughs> sure it's resolved okay adios until next time I and aloha <laughs>